Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another exciting episode of Unprofessional. I am Dave Wiskus, joined by my friend and yours, Lex Friedman. Exciting is a lot to live up to. Yeah, we're exciting people. We are. And we have a very exciting guest this week. We do. Mr. Lauren Brichter. Hey. Hi, Lauren. And uh, we should mention right off the bat, the top of this, we have a very unusual sponsor this week. Maybe not an unusual sponsor, an unusual uh, sponsor read. Is that, the, is that the way to say it? I would it? say, you know what? It's, it's an unusual sponsor in that it's not your typical podcast sponsor. This is not, you know, somebody who's got a, a web service that you should try out. It's not uh, an app maker. No. This, it's, not, it's not even letterpress. Right. Well, you know, in case you don't know Lauren Richter by reputation, <laughs> which you should. He's the inventor of the two greatest iOS apps of all time, Tweety and Letterpress. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we are um, our sponsor today is the original blanket with sleeves, the slanket, the slanket, and the slanket. Not only is slanket sponsoring this episode, Splanket is also, or has also, I should say, provided Dave, Lauren, and me. With our own slankets, and I believe we are all wearing our slankets now for the recording of this. I know I am. We're, I'm wearing mine. Lauren, are you wearing your slanket? Mine is a is a little small, <laughs> and I, I have I have an issue with with your uh, with your slanket. They don't make a an adult sized dinosaur pattern. Ah. <laughs> I told you that. I told you you can have the dinosaurs, but they only make them for kids. And you said dinosaurs. I wanted a dinosaur slanket. You got one. I know. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I just have to, to squeeze into it. <laughs> and you can learn more about <laughs> The Slanket at theslanket.com. And I'll tell you a little secret. If you type in slanket.com, it redirects you to theslanket.com. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. Smart. They're also um, at Slanket on Twitter. I didn't know that. So we don't normally do a sponsor read right up front like that, uh, but I figured it was worth talking about because we are wearing our Slankets for the entire duration of this episode. I'm very warm. I am so cozy right now. I can't even tell you. I might be a little sweaty under this thing. <laughs> Not in a bad way. Like a good kind of sweaty. At this desk where I am situated as we <laughs> record this podcast, I'm not just wearing my slanket. I see my, my very own book in which I wax philosophical about blankets with sleeves. <laughs> oh, Christ. But yeah, I, I, I did. The, the slanket people know this. You should, tell, you, should, you should mention the name of the really? book. Okay. I think it's relevant. It's the Snuggie Sutra. So I wrote a book, as some of you know, many of you know, all of you know, the Snuggie Sutra. It's a uh, hundred sexual positions one can use while wearing a Snuggie. It's available wherever books are sold, uh, but you probably want to order from Amazon so you're not so embarrassed about buying it. Uh, and in the book, I make several jokes at the expense of the slanket. Uh, I regret them all. And I recommend to you, after you go to uh, SnuggieSutra.com or Amazon and order your copy of the Snuggie Sutra, uh, I want you to cross out every... It's your book. You own it. So I want you to take your Sharpie, cross out every occurrence of the word Snuggie, replace it with Slanket, and do the opposite. So the, the two or three or four slams against the Slanket, which were all... I, I kid the Slanket because I love the Slanket. Cross all those out and write Snuggie, and then you'll have the Slanket Snutra. It'll diss the Snuggie, and all will be right with the world. That, is this two people sharing one or each has their own? You know, that's a good question. We should have sent you a copy of the book. Um, so there are, <laughs> I'm very warm in this slanket, by the way, it is really doing its job. Uh, so the, the Snuggy Sutra, well, let's call it the slanket Sutra, but the Snuggy Sutra um, has positions involving one Snuggy worn by one of the two partners, uh, 
some with two Snuggies, one worn by each. There are a couple solo positions that just require the one Snuggie. And there are a few, a very few, um, let's say, multiple partner positions. And those can require many Snuggies or Slankets. I feel like you can get creative with the armholes. That's exactly right. That that was <laughs> you know, pretty the much. Slanket, they, they make a Siamese slanket with four holes and and big enough so that two people can can sit next to each other and have one slanket covering them. I smell a sequel. Oh God. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that maybe the Snuggie Sutra was the better way to go on that, just because uh, I think that the high quality fleece used to make slankets would hold up better to uh, to, to repeated washings. Right, I agree. We'll go with that. Whereas you might want to have something disposable like a Snuggie there for... Uh, right. I, I'm not going to finish that thought. You can see where I'm going. But yes, you're right. No one would want to besmirch the good name and quality. Besmirch would be a good name for a position. But then nobody would want to do that with a, a slanket because, like you're saying, it's, it's too, too fine a piece of fabric. <laughs> so, Lauren, <laughs> you, as far as I know, you have not made any books. Is that right? I'm not a particularly good writer. What do you, what do you make? I make lots of things. I make apps. Name one. I like I like making apps. Uh, Tweety. I mean, Tweety. I've heard of that. Pretty good one. The I, that, in its day, the gold standard. I think. You know, I will say Tweety is the first app in my uh, tenure at MacWorld that I gave the coveted five mice to. You give it five mice. I think I did. I believe it deserves it. I didn't realize you wrote that review. I need to check because I'm I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it, it, it was well earned. Yeah, I did. I did. I gave it a five by five. I gave Letterpress five magic trackpads. Yeah, I love that. I have a correction. I gave it a mm. four point five out of five. Oh, it was an early you son of a bitch. It was an early version. Like it wasn't the final. It wasn't like I took the final oh. version of Tweety. This was like <laughs> Tweety zero point one that got the four. And you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to edit that out and fix it for you. You're going to have to live with it's that. Fine. I'm a man. I feel like people probably look back on it more fondly than it actually was, too. Well, you invented well, pull to refresh, did you not? Yeah. Or pull to refresh. How do you say it? Refresh. I think that's how I'd say it. I don't think we'll argue on this one. But uh, I, I, uh, I have heard from my well-placed sources that you are not just a creator of fine <laughs> software, but that you also uh, you build, you build tangible items as well. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I, I, I've been known to build some furniture. <laughs> furniture really furniture yeah that sounds amazing like coffee tables uh, i just built a coffee table i built a couple of coffee tables i built a side table uh i built a bed actually the bed the bed was uh i built in california when i was working at apple wow why why would you why would you build a bed i mean is it is there like a history of craftsmanship in your family like that or do you just get bored sitting in front of a computer and you have to go do something else no, I mean, my dad's a contractor, so, you know, he, he taught me how to use tools when I was pretty young. Um, but, you know, I had, I had a studio in San Jose, and we needed a bed, so I figured, hey, you know, I could build a bed. So I bought some lumber, and, you know, it was a studio. We didn't really have a place to work, so I, I ended up building most of it in the, uh, in the Apple parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any questions asked during the construction process? Yeah, yeah. I, I, got, I got to know the, the security guard who, who drove around. Um, he, he was... Mighty confused the first time he saw me. What do, you, what do you say? Like, if you're the guy, if you walk up and you see somebody building a bed in your parking lot, what do you even, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he drove up to me and I walked over and I showed him my, my Apple employee badge. And I said, you know, I, I work here. No, I, I, <laughs> oh, that explains I, it. I'm the bed builder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it might have been a, a secret Apple project. Right. 
in a parking lot. It's an iBed. And so were you allowed to keep going with it? Yeah, yeah, I finished it. Now, so you said your dad's a contractor, so he teaches you how to build stuff. But he obviously, I'm I'm guessing at least, he did not teach you to build beds. He just taught you how to build stuff. Yeah, it was general purpose building skills. So how do you go? Maybe this question is impossible to answer, and it probably uh, most accurately just shows how bad I am at that sort of thing. How do you go from knowing how to build stuff to being able to build a bed? Did Did you have to look up bed schematics, or did you just say, let me think about what a bed would be, and I'll just assemble one? I would YouTube that shit. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to a bed. It's a headboard, it's a footboard, and then there's some slats to hold up, you know, the the box spring and the mattress. Yeah, Lex, duh. <laughs> duh. I mean, I know this intellectually, <laughs> but I just, man, I, every once in a while I think about, I mean, I usually think about things that are slightly more complicated, like if somebody gave me all the necessary hardware and said, okay, now build a computer from scratch, I would just have no idea what to do. But, I, I mean, I guess I could build a bed given enough... <laughs> retries enough do-overs but i think it would take me an extremely long time it would be a while before i got comfortable getting in a bed that i built i assembled my bed from ikea or crate and barrel or wherever i ordered it from like even assembling the thing with allen wrenches and clearly laid out instructions i'm still nervous getting into bed thinking it's going to collapse anymore if it was from ikea it did not have clearly laid out instructions it had annoying instructions i hate any set of instructions that's all picture based without words (laughs) i need words the line drawings of smiling naked people i hate it so you do not buy you, when when your friends go to IKEA. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to build my own Billy the bookcase. No, I, I love IKEA. Oh, okay. I love the Swedish meatballs. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, they're they're better in California. The, the 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 IKEA we have in Philly, their Swedish meatballs. You know, they they don't garnish it the same way. That's an outrage. Yeah, yeah. We we, we have a stock of uh, frozen Swedish meatballs. <laughs> I know what I'm doing after the show. And lingonberry jam. Oh, yeah, they got that that juice. The juice box. I think it's for kids, but I love it. Who doesn't love juice boxes? <laughs> I hate juice boxes, actually, because they're too small. They do not satisfy my thirst. Well, that's why they give you such a small straw. Right. It's so you can pace yourself. But do you have any idea how much sugar is in there? That stuff is terrible for you. Drink some water and then sip on that occasionally, and the overall effect will be that your thirst will be quenched, and you'll enjoy it tremendously. <laughs> well, the truth is I don't drink juice because of the sugar quality content, but but I hate that. I mean, like, if we had a... Any any juice box size container is too small. I hate it. I'm very angry about those. They could make them bigger. They could make them bigger. I love that we're talking about juice boxes. But wait, I want to. You you mentioned Lauren that you've built multiple coffee tables. Is this like a? Do you have a side business of selling furniture to friends and family and and strangers? Yeah, can I order one? No, oh, man, I would charge way too much money for these. I would. I'd pay good money for an original Lauren Richter end table. Yeah, maybe, maybe if the app thing doesn't work out. <laughs> oh, that's. I got bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so uh, it's just that 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 uh letterpress has paid for uh, such a palatial estate that you've got two need for two coffee tables is that why there are multiple coffee tables no the second one's an upgrade ah, wh- the, the, the first one was was sort of an experiment what did you do with the first one <laughs> no i mean it, it turned out great no but i'm saying now that you have the second one what did you do with the first one i'm trying to see can i get a free coffee table out of this episode oh uh, he burned it actually i'm not sure where the first one is <laughs> damn it it might be upstairs somewhere i'll i'll look for it <laughs> He sold it to a company that then uh, tore it apart. And, no, I'm not going to go. Sorry. No comment. This blanket is so fucking warm. I'll tell you the truth. I, I, because I'm so warmed up by my blanket, I have pulled my arms out of the blanket sleeves, and now I'm just warming up like torso and down. My blanket is the, uh, it's black with skull and crossbones on it. Walk this blanket. 
which I'm uh, pretty, pretty excited about. Is it adult size? It is. I don't think I could even attempt to fit in a child size blanket. <laughs> they should have a rocket ship one, an adult size rocket ship one. They should make all of the kids' patterns for adults. I don't get why they don't. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. They also refuse to make slankets for dogs. Mm. Well, you know, Snuggy does, and I bet that's a piece of it. I just have to think that the, the slanky yeah. guys must be furious from time to time, maybe full-time, because they, they were first. They were the first sleeved blanket. They did it better. Their, their, their product is better. And the first name most people think of, erroneously enough, is the Snuggy when they think of a blanket with sleeves. It's funny, on the, uh, the old TV commercials when the Snuggy first came out, uh, the, the TV infomercial style commercial would say, other blankets with sleeves can cost up to as much as, and then they would have a picture up in the corner of the other blanket with sleeves, <laughs> which is, of course, the slanket. And in that picture was one of the actual, uh, it was one of the website photos from the slanket.com. And underneath that slanket with his head poking out of things, smiling, was uh, my next door neighbor, Jay. <laughs> and I never really followed the slanket wars. Only because I know these guys. This is how, how I'm, I'm so close to it. I mean, for me, it was extremely important. <laughs> it's, it's research for you. Right. We have so many dirty Snuggies in this house. That, oh. Oh, God. The truth is, actually, and this is not a joke. I, you know, I, I will not say a false thing for a sponsor's benefit. The truth is, during the research and writing of the Snuggie Sutra, which I wrote with, uh, you know, a co-author, um... We only had slankets for our research, even though we, it was called the Snuggie Sutra and was theoretically, in theory, supposedly about the Snuggie. All of our research in position determination was with slankets. Wait, so you, you've never used a real Snuggie? Uh, I have worn a Snuggie. When, when the book came out, there was a, an event that the publisher held in New York City, a bar crawl, and they provided Snuggies. So I wore a Snuggie oh. at that event. I might have even so you knew you know firsthand the quality difference. Between. I will tell you the truth. I was when I took this. I have a maroon slanket that arrived in the mail uh, from the nice slanket people. I was amazed at how much thicker and warmer it was versus the snuggie, and that is not a joke. The snuggie, the snuggie has like a. I don't know, Lauren. Maybe you know. You're a contractor. Um, <laughs> I think it's called like pilling or something. Pills like the 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 snuggie is like thinner, and you get these little bits of fabric that that peel off it i think it's called pilling or something like that and uh, i have noticed that the slanket does not do that it's thicker and it's it's made of i don't think sturdier is the right term but it's just a a fabric that is less likely to to shed or peel apart or to rip apart in the washing machine after you get stains on and have to clean it right huh mine smells like popcorn i don't know why (laughs) Now, speaking of popcorn, when you there's no segue. I just wanted to start that way. But so I feel like we have Uncle Mort. He's my wife, Lauren, not you, Lauren, but my wife, Lauren's uncle is Uncle Mort. And he never had any kids, but uh, he was a contractor. He was very successful. He sold his business at a relatively young age and never worked again, but still knows how to do everything. So he's um, he's local to where I am in New Jersey and he build stuff and fix stuff for all of the family's houses in the area. And whenever anything's wrong in your house, or if you need something done, you call uncle Morton. He does it. And I always feel like if I had uncle Mort's abilities. And so now I'd add, if I had Lauren Brichter's uh, woodworking abilities that I would just never stop building shit for myself. I make my own popcorn. <laughs> That's where you're getting that. <laughs> well, that was a segue. Yeah. I'm going to build stuff until I die. I think that making things, if there's one, I guess, descriptor for what it is that I do, I mean, I do a lot of different stuff, but what I really love is just making things. 
I don't, I'm not terribly particular. I have groupings of things that I'm better at or that I enjoy a little bit more, but for the most part, I just, I like producing, I like putting new things into the world. And Lauren, for a guy like you, I, I, we, our rule is that we don't talk about work. We don't talk about uh, what people do for their day job. But I think with you, there's a bit of a line blur there where uh, you've, you've done things that has demonstrated an understanding of the creative process that uh, even people like myself have maybe struggled to, to, to get a grasp on. Hmm. And the fact that you also make furniture uh, maybe irritates me a little bit more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't remember who I was saying this to, but there, there is no line between work and, and life. Like the, the the whole concept of you know trying to split those up kind of bothers me. Really? Why? Yeah, I mean, you know, what's the point? You know, like what what's the point of of existence? You know, it's, it's kind of philosophical. But if I'm not going to contribute, you know, what am I doing here? So when you sit down to work on something, do you have a particular mindset that you you walk into the room with, or or is it just like your default state? I don't know. <laughs> Where do you get your ideas? <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> no, I mean, if I never have another idea for the rest of my life, I'll, I, I have a long enough list of mostly crappy ideas that could probably sustain me. Can, can I see that list? <laughs> we promise not to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so you make furniture, uh, you travel. Yeah, I, I enjoy traveling, mostly with my wife. You told me we were the only time, I, I guess, I know we met once in San Francisco, but we've only really spent any time together in Australia, which was, uh, I would call that traveling. Uh, and you had mentioned while we were there that you had been to Antarctica. Yeah, I've, I've touched six continents so far. Which one are you missing? Asia? Asia. Ha ha. That's a big one. I've been on Asia. <laughs> Suck it, Lauren. <laughs> How do you end up on Antarctica? Um, I don't even remember. I think, I think it was my wife's idea. She, <laughs> well, I was really drunk. drunk and I woke up and I was in Antarctica. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was my wife's idea, and I thought it was a good idea. And th- this was a little bit before I, I sold Tweety to Twitter. So, you know, we planned a trip, and it was kind of going to be a, uh, a pre-engagement, pre-honeymoon trip. And that's kind of what it was. Like you do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing, but I'll allow it. <laughs> a pre-honeymoon. <laughs> I think that's just a vacation. How was it? How, how, I mean, I, my understanding is that you have to take a boat. Yeah, it was it was an old converted Russian something. Um, yeah, it was it was sickening because you you spend two days crossing this this body of water. I can't even remember the name, but I, I don't get seasick, and I was vomiting my brains out. Wow, I'm sold. <laughs> now, so you actually did step foot. You you walked onto the continent proper. Yeah, yeah. We, we, there there's a chain of islands. You know, we we started at the tip of South America, um, and there were a chain of islands. We kind of boated past, and then we we did touch the mainland for a little bit, um, and we, we we camped out on a little uh, on one of the little like a little tiny baby island right off the coast for a night. Were there penguins? There were tons of penguins. Oh my god, I love penguins. I feel like life must move <laughs> glacially slow there. I don't know why I said oh, that. Oh, asshole. <laughs> I know there are cruise ships, like actual luxury cruise liners that will tr- go near Antarctica, but they almost never can actually dock there and let the people off. But there's always that hope that you can. So I just, I like the idea of these, you know, overstuffed, well-fed, well-heeled cruise ship tourists thinking they're going to go to Antarctica and then later telling their friends we went to Antarctica, but always having the asterisk of, well, I didn't actually get to go out of the boat that day because of the, the challenges of navigating those waters in these luxury cruise liners. Well, that's a good question. When you, when you travel, if you were, so in Lauren's case, he's never been to Asia. 
if he were to end up uh, visiting an island, uh, I don't know, off the coast of Malaysia, let's say. <laughs> let's say that. Does that does that count? Yes. If he goes to Japan, that's not mainland. Yeah, I was going to say Japan. Does that count? Definitely. Well, the question is, I mean, how do you define continent? Right. Because there are political definitions, there are geographic definitions. My wife and I have it's, had huge debates about this. Really? <laughs> you guys know how to get down. <laughs> <laughs> which, which side of the debate do you fall on? I'm on the, the geographic divide or the, uh, yeah, the tectonic divide. You know, there, there are physical plates, and I feel like you want to touch those. As long as you touch land on that plate, you're good. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, if, uh, what if I'm flying somewhere in Asia, but on the way I have uh, a layover in Toronto, but I've never been to Canada before? Have I been to Canada? I think you got to leave your terminal. Like I have to walk out of the airport, like breathe Canadian air, that kind of thing? Yeah. Then you have to go yeah. through security again. I go with a passport stamp. Like, I, I was in Germany for literally less than a minute, according to my passport, because I had a connecting flight. I was in my... My sophomore year of college, and I was going to Israel to visit my sister who lived there. And um, the whole journey was interesting because when I was booking the trip, I was paying for it myself, and it was easily the most expensive trip I had ever paid for myself. And I, my parents said, book it on any airline except for Lufthansa because my parents have never forgiven the Germans. And <laughs> so that's totally true, by the way. So... When I talked to this travel agent to book the trip, because it was still when you use travel agents, I guess, um, she said, well, the cheapest rate is on Lufthansa. And I said, I'll take it. Uh, and I sent her a check, and I sent it on my wrong bank account, so the check bounces. But she's like, I already paid for the ticket. You're a horrible person. I said, it was really a mistake, and I'll send you the right check. So she calmed down. But the to get this flight to be as cheap as it was, I had a 12-hour layover in Germany. So 12 hours? 12 hour. And I was not going to leave the airport by myself. In Germany, because I don't you know it was Germany. They, they, they're not so kind to my people there, as far as memory serves. So I, uh, I get off the plane. I go through customs. And it was, you know, they did not stop me at all. Uh, they stamped me and sent me on my way. And then I immediately went to my connecting flights terminal. And they stamped you again as you went through. So it shows, like, my... Uh, I don't use that passport anymore because it was so long ago, but the stamps were, like, a minute apart. And I was... That's... I, I say I was in Germany. Then the, the true story is that I fell asleep in the airport in my terminal waiting. And I woke up. And in the, I don't know if this is still the case, but in 1999, uh, December 1999, if you were in the... I guess it's Berlin. I don't know. the Frankfurt. I have no idea where the airport in Germany is. But if you're in the airport in Germany, uh, they had... Uh, soldiers marching through with their, you know, weaponry in tow. And so when you're a, a lonely Jew all by yourself in Germany and you wake up and there's a bunch of marching soldiers, <laughs> it's a little intimidating. <laughs> but they did not kill me. So when you say your people, do you mean people from New Jersey? Yes. <laughs> Hitler hated I those see, people. I can see why you might be nervous. You do have a pretty thick New Jersey accent. Yeah. But so you've, you've been to Antarctica, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to any other unusual places? Geographically. Uh, besides the other continents? <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, isn't that good no, I mean, for you? <laughs> listen, Europe, Europe is a wonderful place to go, but I wouldn't say that it's unusual unless you went to, like, Bazaarsville, Europe. Yeah, no, which, y Europe I haven't really explored. It's, it's basically Italy. Does England count as Europe? Yes. It depends on who you ask. 
geographically. I, what else would it geographically? Be? Yes, I heard people over there saying that there's England and then there's Europe, and they're they're two separate things because well, one there's the whole currency issue, and two sort of politically, and uh, there's the driving on the wrong side of the road thing. Yeah, but tectonically. Well, sure, I think it's it's all part of the same plate. Culturally, I would say it's a different place. What's but it's all different places. I think it's just uh, Europeans are into um, divisiveness, uh, how multicultural they are, but also embracing their own cultures and talking shit about the others. Yeah, I've noticed that. So, to me, the big question then is, what's keeping you out of Asia? Oh, I just haven't gotten there. You will, Lauren, someday. I believe in you. <laughs> yeah, no, next next trip, Asia, definitely. I've been wanting to go to Japan for a while. Do you speak Japanese? Nope. Just going to walk in there, white dude speaking English? Yeah, everyone speaks English. That's true. <laughs> I like the way you say that's a matter of fact. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> if they don't, fuck them. Right, I can talk louder. <laughs> Isn't that good enough? I can wave my hands a bunch. My, my primary exposure to what it's like to travel in Japan, where I've never been, is the incredible Dave <laughs> Barry book, Dave Barry Does Japan. Uh, which has its title in English and in Japanese, but there's an asterisk next to the Japanese where it says, it translates the first part as saying, this is essentially Dave Barry. And the second part is, does Japan is, you do not want to know what this part means. <laughs> you say asterisk or asterisk? I say asterisk. Pretty sure you said asterisk, which sounds like asterisk. I would never say that. Rewind the tape. I'm going to the, I'm gonna go to the judges on this one. Right. Asterisks. Yeah. I have it with risk at the end, like strategery. I'm the king of awkward pauses. <laughs> now, you worked for Apple in California. Yep. And now you live in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. What brought you? I mean, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I have a strong affinity for Pennsylvania. Oh, really? So what, what brought you from California to Pennsylvania? Uh, I grew up in New York. Um, my wife uh, grew up right, right outside of Philly. Where? So... Uh, Westchester. All right. That's very close. To, I grew up in Wyoming, very close to Westchester. Cool. I don't know where that is. I'm, I'm not a, I, I don't know Pennsylvania that well. You just live here. I just live here. I know Philadelphia, which is practically its own state. But no, I mean, we, we both have East Coast in our blood. That explains why you're so loud and abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I should have been an East Coaster, but for whatever reason, I was born in the Midwest and lived on the West Coast. I don't, I, I don't picture you as a New Yorker. I was always told that New Yorkers are incredibly rude and and uh, self-centered and and just loud, obnoxious. When I was in New York, I was very conscious of this and I was prepared for it. And then it turned out they're like the nicest people I'd ever been around. Yeah. And I think part of it might just be that I'm also kind of loud and a jackass. And maybe, maybe like I, I kind of had this feeling like I found my people. <laughs> These people are direct and they're a little abrasive, but like just because they, they don't want to sit around bullshitting each other. I dig it. I'd love to know where that stereotype came from. Because I mean, I, I've, I've certainly never noticed it. At least not more so than anywhere else. I think it's because uh, the East Coasters tend to be very direct and West Coasters and especially Midwesterners tend to be very uh, passive or passive aggressive. You also, I mean, I think there's a big piece of it is that the West Coast, uh, when I say the West Coast, I mostly mean Los Angeles because that's my experience, but that it's so sprawling and spread out that it's a very different take on city life from New York City. So in New York City, it's it's crowded and it's jam-packed and people aren't going to, uh, you know, the tra- there's traffic in both, in both the West Coast and the East Coast, right? So in New York City, you're going to have traffic and in LA, you'll have traffic. But in the traffic in LA, it's... 
um, going very slowly on highway. And in the traffic in New York, it's going very, very slowly on New York City streets. But on New York City streets, you see tons of people. And when people are commuting, no matter what, I don't care where they are, they're annoyed because commuting sucks and dealing with traffic sucks. And in New York, you can see the annoyance on people's faces as you sit in your cab or on the bus or as you're crossing the street, you can see all the other annoyed, hurried New Yorkers, whether they're in the cars, in the cabs or walking and they're honking if they're in the cars and they're yelling if they're not. And I, I think that's where the reputation has to come. Cause that's where you see that's, that's where you do most of your stranger interaction is while you're walking from place to place. And people are more tense and annoyed when they're walking. Yeah. That's if you're walking through like times square. So it's right. the, the whole thing is just from like some one, one tourist. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Spread the stereotype. I think it's the directness and you see this in Europe too, also where you've got cities where people are, are very densely populated or at least uh, live very closely to one another in, in the densely populated, populated areas in, in New York and in Europe, I think my own uh, observation, I guess, speculation is there's like a sense of empathy about it. If, if you're constantly sharing public transportation with, with, with other people, when you see them get annoyed and maybe lash out a little bit, you empathize, you understand where they're coming from. Like you, you may think they're an asshole, but you kind of get why they're being an asshole. So you forgive it a little bit. So on the East Coast, if if you know somebody cuts you off and and you scream fuck you and they scream fuck you too, it's just kind of like well, you know, that was it. You don't <laughs> like you don't take that personally. On the West Coast, if uh, if you accidentally cut somebody off and they scream fuck you, your response is how dare you, and it just be it like consumes your world and and. Uh, you can't let it go in the same way. You're not used to dealing with, with other people feeling things. I also, I don't know where this, you know, what this means, but I know that when I worked in LA, it was the most, uh, prevalent uses of profanity in the workplace of anywhere I've ever worked. And I don't know what that means and whether that's, they feel like it's tension relieving or just part of a laid back lifestyle. But I was just here the vilest profanity when I lived and worked in Los Angeles that I never experienced on the same level on the East coast. I mean, people swear on the East coast all the time and that's wonderful and I appreciate it, but that usually happens more socially and less professionally. But in LA, it was very, very common to hear every great, horrible word you could imagine while working. I'm going to pretend like I just said all of them and we had to cut them out. (laughs) just two minutes of beep i'm not a huge fan of la it's it's, it's one of the few cities that i know could never really figure out i thought you were gonna say you weren't a huge fan of profanity and that we were gonna have to just end the show but la i'm fine with you <laughs> not liking yeah i'm i'm insulted <laughs> no i don't i'm not a big fan of la either i i left <laughs> have you spent a lot of time in la lauren no just just visiting a handful of times yeah it's 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 honestly the sprawl and the driving and wasn't the uh, wasn't the parking lot invented there yes on the 405 freeway <laughs> i live i live in denver which is more la than anything else uh on the east coast at least but here we have this this we don't have the traffic problem thankfully we think we do we think we have a traffic problem but the traffic here is fine uh i don't drive though so maybe i'm i'm being snotty about it i will say that when i when i do have to drive during the day i do all of my driving at night because nobody's on the road and it's fantastic if i have to drive during the day even just a handful of other people on the road it's enough to to, to make me go absolutely insane Lauren, do you have a car in Philadelphia? Uh, my wife and I do. Yeah. Do you do you drive? Because you're you're in the city, right? Um. Yeah. No. I mean, my my wife drives to and from school, but I I, I rarely if ever drive. If you guys go someplace together, like it's a vacation or something, does she do the driving or do you? 
she does the driving. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh man. It's I, I, I would never I've never been in a relationship where I could get away with that. It's you know, I prefer to drive, <laughs> but my wife and I are more than a foot apart in height, and so <laughs> we have to adjust everything. So we have a minivan because we have eighty seven kids and we have, you know, a, a Honda Accord. And she does most of the kid chauffeuring, so the minivan is generally adjusted to her. So when we drive on the weekends, if it's, you know, going out to meet friends or whatever, if we're taking the minivan, she'll usually still drive because it's so annoying for me. It's it's less annoying to me. I don't mind adjusting the seat, but she really minds having to adjust it all back again um, because we have to change the steering wheel height, the seat height, the seat recline, the seatbelt height, and the headrest height. So it's a lot. They have those fancy, like, memory seats now, don't they? I know. And if if I ever sell a company to Twitter, I am totally, totally going to get one. <laughs> Haven't you sold enough copies of the Slanket too? <laughs> I was so passionate about getting having our our next car when we got the minivan, having it have seat memory. Um, but it was such it, like you couldn't just add that on as a one off. You had to get eighty seven other upgrades too, and it was a uh, very substantial cost difference. So we didn't do it. Bummer. Next time though, my next my next car is going to be both electric and it's going to have that feature. You need that, and uh, you need heated seats. If you don't have heated oh, no, seats, no heated, heated seats, we seats. have. Okay. Heated seats fill me with guilt, though, because I've got my kids in the back, and their seats aren't heated. First of all, if I did heat their seats, they would freak out. Um, but, you know, I feel like I warm up five minutes faster than they do when we're driving in the wintertime because i got the heated seats, and they don't. Well, I think that them having to suffer through not having heated seats is character building. Yeah, they're kids. They have car seats, right? And the car seats are warm. <laughs> They've got fat. I mean, they don't have slanket quality fabric. You know what you should give them is some slankets with dinosaurs on them. That's right. We do have a couple slankets for kids in the house. You know, speaking of L.A. and parking, I will say that the coolest parking innovation I've ever seen was in Los Angeles, where when you park in the Santa Monica parking lots now, there are cameras aimed at every single car in the parking lot. One, so they can tell you how many spots are available and which level they're on. But two, if you forget where you park, you can type in your license plate in a little kiosk and it tells you where your car is. Oh, that is awesome. No shit. It's pretty cool. All right, that's pretty great. I want to see one of those uh, those robot elevator parking yes. things. Yeah, like in the uh, the last Mission Impossible movie. Oh, I didn't see it. A man after my own heart. I thought you watched a lot of movies. Have you not I seen that? I, I don't know. I, I never saw Mission Impossible. I don't know. It's, for some reason, action movies haven't been doing it for me as much. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, that, that was all about the action movie. But now they seem to be repetitive preach it lauren preach it well are, are you a bond fan yeah i love the new bond i mean that was fantastic okay okay uh i i would say if you if you like the newer bonds then you'd probably like the, the latest mission impossible even though i mean i hate tom cruise and i would i i don't like giving the guy money but it was a really good movie he already got paid or does he get royalties well, I'm sure he gets. He usually gets back. yeah back end stuff too. There's there's a scene where he's climbing up the side of a building, and I'm watching it in the IMAX theater, and he's climbing up the side of this building, and as he's climbing, my hands are just sweating like crazy, <laughs> kind of like they are right now, wearing this incredibly warm and comfortable blanket. Was this a, a a real dome IMAX, or just the uh, IMAX regular? IMAX? Like regular IMAX. My local IMAX United Artist, whatever it is. That's that's when he was like filming on the uh the the world's tallest building right in dubai yeah yeah and the, instead of like doing it on a sound stage they actually put him on the side of the building way up there but they had all these nets and stuff underneath but the crazy motherfucker is like out there climbing 
actually put him or a stunt double? Him. him. He refused to have a stunt double. If you, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes because the LA Times has this whole series of photos where you can see Tom doing it. You know, it's not the scenes from the movie. It's scenes from the people taking pictures of him while they shot the scene for the movie. Because he's fucking insane. Right. Well, he, <laughs> do we make jokes about other religions on this show? No, but we can make fun of cults. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. He had, he had the whole church of Scientology to protect him, so he was safe. Wait, they were there to catch him, or...? Yes. That's how they formed the net. Just linked Scientologists holding hands. I mean, they had to pay to get there, but still. It is cool to be able to, I mean, very few people have been able to get paid to climb that building for fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I am, you know, in, in his defense, I'll say that, um, maybe if I were given the opportunity and somebody said, look, we're going to quadruple check everything. And this is going to be like the safest experience you could possibly imagine, but you're going to be, you're going to get to do this and you're going to get to say you did it. I would be really tempted to do it for the story. Oh, for sure. I don't know if I would look cool about it on screen, but I could suck it up and go do it just to say that I did it. I mean, I am terrified of heights. That's my far and away. My biggest fear. Um, but I would totally do it. Would you do it while wearing his leg? I'm pretty much never taking this slanket off. So yes. Awesome. Have you, have you ever been skydiving? Yeah. Only once though. <laughs> was it a tandem jump or like a normal jump? Uh, I, it was tandem. I think you have to go tandem your first time. Well, there's, there's two ways to do it. I did tandem. You can too. do it illegally. There's two ways to do it though. You can do a whole series of like four hour classes before you jump and then you don't have to do a tandem first. Ah, uh, I was lazy then. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was pretty lazy about it too. And I figured that, um, even having a guy strapped to my back, it would still be a pretty fun experience. Yeah. Really, Lex? You're not going to make a joke about that? No. Uh, but, I mean, I want to <laughs> skydive, for sure. It's, it's, you, ha- you, you need to. But I, I have promised my wife that I won't do it until all the kids are in college. Now, she's not even on board with that plane. She's still strictly opposed, but it is going to happen. It's on the list. I say that, um, let's say during Macworld, we'll just go do it. We don't have to tell her. <laughs> so, Lauren, you said you did it one time. Was that because once was enough, or just because you haven't had the opportunity again, or what? No, once was enough. You know, I, come, like, really? I, I was fine the the whole you know the whole ride up. I, I did it with my wife. My wife was was just nervous <laughs> as hell, um, and I was fine <laughs> until we landed. And then, I mean, you know, the, the person I had strapped to me was doing loop de loops on the way down after they deployed the chute. Oh, I just God. got I got sick. Oh, I see. Oh, I'm not worried about that. I was fine on the way down. It was the way up that got me. Yeah, that was my wife, and she was she she landed and she was you know skipping around. Yep, I was so excited the way the way up though. I had this thought in my head. I don't know how, but sometimes you just get like out of nowhere, a thought will occur to you and then you don't know how to make it go away and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and then just consumes you and you don't know how to think about anything else. And for me, that thought was to fear that I was going to shit my pants on the way down (laughs) the whole ride up. My stomach is like doing somersaults and I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I I almost backed out a couple of times because I'm like, I don't want to land and like have like shit all over my, my, my self. I'm sure you wouldn't be the first. Yeah. They give you a jumpsuit, right? (laughs) I didn't want to fill it is what I'm saying. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to like pay a dry cleaning bill for this jumpsuit and have to explain to my friends and family. Yeah. I went skydiving, but it wasn't that great an experience because I shit my pants. So what I have to do is tell Siri to remind me in 18 years to put on a diaper before I do my skydiving. I don't even know if I could shit my pants if I tried. (laughs) <laughs> no i'm pretty sure you can't do it when you're trying i think you can only do it unintentionally i'm pretty yeah, sure like, that's how it works i don't even point. know how babies do it because like how much how much like airspace is there 
<laughs> <laughs> so the the diapers have a lot of padding. Like I have kid, a kid still in diapers now, but there's like they are very roomy. Do they, does it smush out? <laughs> yes, it's it's basically like a pocket that can that that extends back. Like that's why kids. I mean, I don't know how much you're studying the the crotch and ass region of the babies around you, but you know their pants puff way out when they're young and in diapers because there are just these massive pockets for fecal storage. Also from the Hot Pockets Corporation. <laughs> I bet jumping out of a plane, your your concern about whether or not it would like press up against. I bet you could. Still, <laughs> it must be possible. I I don't I, I don't think that like parasharding is something that you're going to find being the next planking trend or something. The the thing that I'm thinking about is if something goes wrong. Like I, there's a video that I've seen. I don't know why I watched it. It's like a 12 minute YouTube video of a guy whose parachute screws up, or actually, they, they, he does a jump and his buddy does a jump, and their their chutes get tangled together. Yeah, I've seen and that. so the one guy gets screwed and he lands and I believe he's paralyzed, but he lives because um, he's the one who posted the video. Um, and as he's falling and realizing what's going to happen, you know, you can hear his terror. And I understand that. I mean, I think any human would have to feel that fear. But my goal is if you ever find yourself in a situation where there's like at least a minute till impact and you're pretty certain you're about to die, you have to try and this is this is what I intend to tell myself before my skydiving attempt in 18 years. You have to try to enjoy that moment of freefall, right? If if it's an, if there's nothing left you can do, if you've abandoned, if you've you know trying everything you can to try to save yourself, hey, now you're flying. I mean, you're flying and you're getting closer and closer to the ground, but you are flying, and you have to take a moment to appreciate that because what else are you going to do besides like scream and cry and shit yourself? I was going to be a good way to commit suicide, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna do it, that's how you should go. Like really enjoy that last couple of minutes. And then it doesn't matter if you shit yourself. If you do change your mind in the middle, there's a, you know, depending on how high you are, there's a whole lot of regret time during which you can do nothing. But if you're 100, like, I, I have thought, like, if I'm really super old and all the systems are failing, like, that's not a bad way to go, right? You're like 102 years old and you jump off a building. Like, there's a time when it's going to be fun. Well, no, jumping off a building, you're falling straight down. So it'd feel like falling. Jumping out of a plane, it, you, there's forward momentum. So you feel like you're flying. I don't want to feel like I'm falling. That'd be horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably want to do it with one of those squirrel suits, like down the side of a mountain. Right. You've seen those videos? Yes, they're terrifying. But I mean, that's more fun than just, I mean, falling, you get bored. Like if I have a minute to go, I want to like try and go between th- some trees or something. I bet if you didn't have a squirrel suit handy, you could use a slanket. Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of killing yourself, do so if you don't yet own a slanket <laughs> or order one at theslanket.com. I don't know if product placement has ever been attempted before in a podcast, an audio-only podcast. <laughs> we we could have lied. We could have just told people that we were wearing slankets the whole time. I, I guess I have no way of verifying that you guys are, but I really am sitting here wearing my slanket. Mine, mine is on. I had, to, I had to turn my air conditioning on. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this in case anyone's wondering. You got a free slanket. I did. Yeah, that's true. With, with dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. They are definitely awesome. Like, my kids That's are into true. dinosaurs now, and I love it because I get to be into dinosaurs all over again. Are your kids into Legos, too? No. I think they're a little Aww. too young. Uh, uh, see, that, that, I would be heartbroken if my kids weren't into Legos. We only still have the, the big kid Legos. Oh, the you know? Duplos. Right. Yeah, th- those are cool for building, like, castles and stuff. Right, but we, we don't have enough to build anything awesome. It's basically towers and, like, cribs. No, you, you need something that you can, like crawl inside i have to wait until i don't have a two-year-old before i can allow legos that small in the house i think he'll be two in february so i think we'd have to wait until he's three and we can talk to him Mm -hmm. about not eating the legos so about 
15 months. Kids learn though, right? Oh yeah. I mean, but right now he is, I mean, my girls were a little bit unsurprisingly, I guess my girls were a little bit better listeners at my son's age than he is, um, where he's a little bit more defiant and rambunctious. And he will, if you tell him, don't put that little thing in your mouth, he will immediately try to put it in his mouth. Does reverse psychology work? (laughs) Yeah. Well, at dinner, yes. We tell him, don't eat that apple. And then he'll eat up his (laughs) apple. I literally did that tonight at dinner, but I just want to wait until he's no longer amused by putting tiny Legos in his mouth or, you know, tiny other things in his mouth. And then I will, then we'll get the Legos. Yeah. I never grew out of that. You still eat them? I don't eat them, but you, you know, you suck on them. Mm-hmm.